0: This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, I'm Stephen Krasowski, Communications Manager at RMA. RMA, with support from its Community Bank Council, recently conducted a survey of bankers across the country to identify the trends and issues in risk management affecting community banks. Today, I'm joined by the 2020-2021 RMA Community Bank Council Chair, Crystal Humphreys, Senior Vice President and Director of Risk Management at American National Bank of Texas, to discuss some key findings from the survey with a focus on credit, operational, and cyber risks. Crystal, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Stephen.
0: So, Crystal, survey respondents rated the importance of 12 risk areas in the current banking environment they ranked credit risk, cybersecurity risk, IT risk, and operational risk as the top four most important risk areas. What are some of the top issues currently facing community banks regarding credit risk, cyber risk, and operational risk?
1: The RMA survey was conducted in early January. So that was that was before the significance of COVID-19 was understood. And so I, I'm not at all surprised that credit Cyber and IT and operational risk came out as the top. That's what we worry about most as bankers. You know, the, but since that happened pre-COVID, RMA actually came and asked the community bank councils to re-rank those risks. And uh, I don't think that those listening will be surprised that those top three, those top three are really four risks remain the same: credit, cyber, and IT risk, and operational risk. So what's happening with credit right now, you know, it's even though those risks came out the same, the factors that are affecting us are are different. So as it relates to credit, what I think is different is that, you know, the, the change in the economy, the closures of business, the transition of so many of our bankers working from home, the restrictions on travel, all of these things have had significant Unanticipated impacts on the industry and the businesses and the customers that we've done business with for years. And these changes have changed the mechanisms and the assumptions that we've used to determine and manage credit risk. In pretty significant and unanticipated ways. So we, we know that there are some negative impacts there as it relates to the underlying credit of these customers. But because of these changes, it's really difficult for us to anticipate exactly how it's going to affect our credit portfolios, because the indicators that we've historically relied on, they're just not showing them yet. As it relates to cybersecurity, you know, the, the threats are really generally the same, but it's the channels, the methods, and the approaches that have evolved. These these threats are really trying to take advantage of this new environment that we're in. We have a new level of stress on our customers and our employees. We have this new work-from-home environment, and so our control structure you know, we've had to expand that a little bit, and so our controls may not be new in most cases, but in a lot of ways, they're untested on this new, larger scale. And then lastly, this operational and IT risk, to me, this is where the biggest change is happening. I mentioned before the working from home being a, a really big change in our industry. We now have both front office and back office employees that are working from home, and in many cases, this is for the first time. Depending on the capabilities that our banks did or didn't have and already in place drove how well and how quickly we were able to transition to this new remote working environment. And those banks that didn't have the capabilities needed to get them and implement them really quickly, along with appropriate control environments, and many times may not have had the time to properly test them. We also had to go back and revisit our and make adjustments to our work from home policy, think about and address these security issues that are, that are new to us, such as printing from home and how do we handle voice and video conferences from people's living rooms? How do we protect our customers' data? Oh, and on top of all of that, we we also needed to implement new manual as well as automated systems and process to support this SBA payment protection program, something that was brand new to all of us that we had to turnkey overnight. And all of this change in people, processes, and systems are occurring amid increased threats from the fraudsters and the hackers looking to exploit new vulnerabilities, control gaps, and the human fears of both our customers and our employees. So it's, it's a big deal. These are big, significant risks that we need to figure out how to, how to deal
0: with. Crystal, two of the top factors, both internally and externally, that are most likely to threaten community bank success in the next 12 months include the local and national economies and town attraction and retention. Could you address why banks would be so concerned about these factors?
1: Yeah. Because the survey was taken pre-COVID, I think the worries at the time were about both the economy and the talent pool were different than they are now. At the time, I think the primary concern with the economy was trying to anticipate when the next recession was going to occur. But today we find ourselves in an economy that's stressed in a way that we've never before experienced, and it's really next to impossible to anticipate exactly what's going to happen with our economy and when. Most portfolios are actually pretty strong right now, but we're also in record unemployment. We've got unprecedented stimulus programs that are kind of carrying us along for right now, but it's going to leave us all, it's all left us wondering what's going to happen next. So, you know, I think... Given that we all rely on our past experiences to figure out what we are going to do going forward, and, and given that we've never experienced this before, we just need to stay alert and, and pay attention and try to watch how the markets are going to respond to the stimulus from the Fed and the new debt that's coming up, because it really just not anything we've experienced before, and we can't compare it to anything. As it relates to talent attraction and, attention and retention, you know, the concern I think in January was around the competition being so high around trying to get good talent. All banks need strong lenders and back office people and competition has been really high. A lot of banks were willing to pay high levels of compensation. They really worked hard to be creative and how to attract people to their bank. And so that kind of comes along with a lot of risk because when you pay those high rates and give those benefits, really you're counting on that that individual to be able to produce for you or to stay for a long time. And if one of those things don't happen, it it could be a, a significant drain. So When I was thinking about this question, what came to mind is how important the culture of a bank is in terms of a factor for both attracting and retaining talent. Culture is, at least in my experience, is a primary motivator for talent coming to your bank and wanting to stay. But here we are in COVID now. We've, We've got, again, so many of our employees working from home. So to me this new there's this new complication around how do we how do we help our existing employees continue to feel our culture and and when we have new people come on our teams. How how do we introduce our culture to them if they're working remotely? How do we make sure that our culture permeates through this new remote environment and keep our existing employees engaged and bought into it? And, and also in terms of keeping their, their professional development going and, and making sure that driving toward meeting the bank's objectives. A lot of new things to deal with.
0: So survey participants indicated top areas of discussions with regulatory examiners as being CRA, equal credit, fair credit reporting, and redlining. Why would these be of concern?
1: To me, I think the commonality between these regs that you mentioned is subjectivity around these regs and kind of a general lack of clarity regarding the requirements. So depending on the situation and depending on the examiner that's in looking at your bank, it can, it can be difficult to understand where the lines are and determine what is and isn't appropriate for your bank. It really starts with the data that you have. And when you look at the data on the surface, there, it could indicate that there's a problem there. Or that there aren't any problems at all. But you really have to dig deeper than that and analyze and understand what that data truly means in relation to what's happening at your bank. So, you know, as I think about your this, I it, it's really that level of subjectivity coupled with the painful repercussions, if you don't get it right, that might be what's driving desire to have these, discuss- these types of discussions with the regulators.
0: Crystal, participants in the survey reported that their lending plans for credit products in the next 24 months would include increasing or decreasing lending in certain areas and or entering new lines of business. What changes do you see in banks lending portfolios in the next two years?
1: I really think that over the next two years, the focus is going to need to be on understanding our current portfolios in the current pandemic environment and, and focus on collecting what we've got. You know, that said, there's, I think that there's also going to be a lot of areas of opportunity that's going to grow out of this pandemic. We're going to see new growth industries, new lines of business, areas that are going to do well that wouldn't have had it not been for the pandemic and the changes that came along. Along with that. What are these areas, and, and how can we capitalize on those areas? I think the banks that are on the front end of identifying those businesses early and those that have the capital to act on those opportunities are really going to be able to take advantage of some good things ahead.
0: Crystal, 51% of survey respondents said they have plans to participate in mergers and acquisitions within the next two years. What is your view on this?
1: There may be a little bit of time that needs to go by before mergers and acquisitions really pick up. You know, Right now, it would be difficult to price them given the change changed environment and and all of the unknowns related to our asset quality. We don't really know how our loan quality issues are gonna play out over the short term. And so I, to not knowing how to price those banks, I, I think banks really need to be cautious and retain some excess capital right now to cover potential losses. But once the market stability comes along, and, and I do think it will, there, there are gonna be banks that can take advantage of opportunities, and, and there, but there'll be others that need to say, we, we need to quit while we're ahead and get out. So I, I do think we'll see quite a bit of activity in this area, maybe not within the two years, perhaps beyond that.
0: So Crystal, to wrap up, approximately 48% of respondents indicated in the survey that they were already collaborating with a fintech or had plans to do so. In what areas do you think community banks would want to collaborate with these companies?
1: You know, I think some people think of fintechs as companies. And, you know, I tend to think about fintech just as enhancing financial services for customers through, by utilizing technology and you know given the change in our customers needs wants and expectations related to so many things like being able to do applications online having real-time transactions making having faster credit decisions and and more streamlined amazon-like experiences you know i just don't see that it's an option for community banks not to increase their fintech capabilities so whether it's done by collaborating with fintech companies or partnering with other third-party vendors, or even developing in-house solutions, I think it's something they're going to need to do. Even beyond trying to meet the needs of our customers, I I think that as banks continue to experience low long-term interest rates, we've got to get more efficient through the use of technology and and also bring on new technologies to, to drive more revenue, both within our existing lines of business, and some of those lines of business that that may be around the corner as a result of the opportunities that lie ahead.
0: Crystal, this has been very informative. Thank you again for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Stephen.